Arizona Sports is proud to present the Uprising Podcast. Uprising Podcast. Hello and welcome into the Uprising Podcast, a podcast about Phoenix Rising Football Club. I am your host, Jake Anderson. Today my guest is Phoenix Rising goalkeeper Zach Lubin. Zach is in his third year with the club and actually had two stints in Sweden before his Phoenix Rising days. Lubin was also actually loaned out to MLS side Seattle Sounders for a match in 2018 as an emergency backup after two of Seattle's goalkeepers went down due to injury. Zach has also been very outspoken about the racial and social injustices facing our country right now. Uh, Earlier this year, he walked alongside with supporters group Los Bandidos during a Black Lives Matter protest here in Phoenix, and recently he, quote, tweeted the Milwaukee Bucks boycotting of their NBA playoff game last week, saying, quote, this is bigger than sports, big props to the players standing together for what's right, end quote. So, without further ado, let me bring on the man himself, Phoenix Rising goalkeeper, Zach Lubin. Zach, how you doing, man? How are you? Doing well. Thanks. How about yourself? I'm doing well. And you guys got you got done with training today? Yep. Yeah, just finished lunch. Finished. I'm just uh, making a coffee real quick, and then um, be ready to go. No worries. What's uh? What's your usual cup of coffee when you go? Uh, right now I'm making a French press. Okay. But um. In the mornings, I just set the drip coffee for on the timer, so it's so it's ready for me when I wake up. But um, I do this the the, uh, the French roast beans from Safeway. Mm-hmm. They have their own brand, Whole Beans. It's I think it's really good, like good coffee for a great price, and you get you know a good bag of it. It's probably not like the most sustainably sourced coffee in fair trade, but you know. USL salaries <laughs> can't spend twenty dollars. Can't spend twenty dollars on a bag of coffee. You wish. So, uh, so but, what but do yeah, you do? But, what do you do for uh, cream sugar? Or you um, just drink it black? It depends. Uh, depends on my mood, but oh, maybe okay. a little, a little sugar in the raw, with like whole milk, just a little bit. But I don't mind black coffee at all because I didn't know it was um. I used to do intermittent fasting a lot. Okay. And there basically you would just drink black coffee. Like in the morning, if I was fasting, that was a black coffee. So definitely learn to drink black coffee. And in Sweden, they'd make fun of you. If you were putting in cream and sugar, they'd call you a child. (laughs) That, yeah. Only only kids put cream and sugar in their coffee. So what about espresso for you? I do like espressos. I do... um, I do a double espresso before the games. Really? Yeah, that's kind of my that's my little jump my my Kickstarter. Or is the uh, training is the training staff aware of this? I I've heard usually they uh, frown upon coffee before uh, athletic activity. Oh no! Yeah, we uh, we like on the road. Mm-hmm. Like they they take our coffee orders. Every everyone gets. Oh, that's a, awesome! Gets a coffee. Yeah, I I don't know who. Like they, they talked about that for a while that like it dehydrates you, mm-hmm. but it, in reality, I don't think it, it like, yes, it's like a diuretic and stuff, but like, I don't think it's like dehydrates you as bad as what people thought or maybe it's like, if you continuously drank it, like it was water yeah. maybe, yeah, but yeah, if you're yeah, just exactly. drinking a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's funny so. though. Cause I would imagine even, even overseas, I mean, 
just not even in the United States, everywhere, people love coffee like it's like it's well, it's better than water, you know? It's oh yeah. Well, that's the thing. in Sweden, you, like we have like a in the locker rooms I was in, like we proper coffee machines, like you can do espressos, you can do whatever you want, and guys are bringing it out to the bench. The oh majority of guys are all are all sipping like on a coffee um, on the bench. So yeah, no, that that was definitely different, and I didn't learn to drink coffee until I was in Sweden. So I, I wasn't drinking any coffee till I was like 23 or 24. But then since then, just addicted. Were you the only American on the team at the time or? Um, no, my second year I was, sorry. The, the first year I was there with uh, Kevin Garcia. He is now with FC Tulsa, spent three years with, Houston and a year with RGV prior to him signing in Houston. So right. we, and that's when we, we got on really well. Um, and we're still really good friends to this day. He went to his wedding this last off season in Columbia. Um, Cause he's a Colombian American. And that was, that was awesome. Um, then the second year in Sweden, I had a Canadian player, Roger Thompson, he now is in the Canadian Premier League, but uh, I was the only American um, on that team. Yeah, I've, uh, I've noticed when I've when I've been overseas, and if I get an American esque uh, coffee drink, they definitely they definitely lend to, yeah. to let you know about it. Oh yeah, yeah. There's like yeah, no one really drinks like the big like cappuccinos or oh yeah, like anything like that. It's either espresso or black. So when when you coming back to the states, what is something you have brought over that you continuously do that you perhaps would not have done should you not have gone over to Sweden? You know what? Well, and we're on the subject, honestly. Like, and I can't say it's like this was just me. Like, oh, I brought it here because it's a pretty common thing for footballers in general. But uh, fika. So in Sweden, like your afternoon coffee and pastry is called fika. And okay. so like for like every year prior to now because of COVID, like we've always had a big group of guys who would go to a coffee shop and hang out, you know, have a have a pastry or cookie and coffee and hang out for like an hour, hour or two. That's that's like the big one. And yeah, they 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 call it fika and that's an afternoon staple in Sweden. Like every yeah. every business like you just get half hour, two in the afternoon or so, and you get coffee. That sounds, uh, that sounds very nice. I wish, I wish that was a custom here. That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I would say they do it once in the morning and once in the afternoon. <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of breaks. Hey, any, any break for coffee is fine enough yeah. for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'll drink it all day if I could. Well, uh, I don't have mine, wherever it is. It's, here it is. It's it's empty now, <laughs> yeah, but cheers. We're 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 on our fika talk. Yeah, we are actually. Look at that. All right, Zach. So I'll just uh, I've been opening them up all the same way. Just kind of, you know, we don't get to talk to you guys as much as we used to, especially mm-hmm. because of COVID. So just with the craziness of 2020 and everything, how have you been? Um, take football outside of it. How are you, Zach Lubin, the person during 2020? 
Man, uh, you know, it's ups and downs. Like, uh, I've had some really, really positive things um, go my way. Uh, I had rescued a dog. And most people know that like two weeks before the quarantine. Um, also, me and my girlfriend had been living over distance for the last like three years. So um, she, we, she was able to then we were looking to move her out here anyways. Um, you know, COVID happened. She was probably one of the first people she works in fitness to get laid off. So uh, she was she moved down here. And uh, so we've been living together since. So that was awesome to, to finally be back living together, uh, have a puppy to raise. And so, you know, those were some really positive, um, things, uh, obviously, you know, everything that's going on around the country in terms of social justice, um, and, you know, the unwarranted killings of George Floyd and, uh, uh, Jacob Blake, obviously he's paralyzed, he's not dead, but, um, so much going on there that uh, there was a bit of an emotional roller coaster for sure. Um, and, but, you know, it's been also good because it's, I've learned a ton of taking the time to educate myself on everything that's going on. And, um, and so, you know, and that's tough to say, like, it's an emotional roller coaster where I've only been kind of involved in doing, being active in this way over the last year. And, you know, it just makes me feel so much for, for people who have been dealing with this injustice their entire life. Um, but, um, you know, as we're playing soccer again, which is awesome. And that was very helpful to get back to playing, but um, so much going on in the world. It kind of depends on, uh, you know, what the news cycle is. Yeah. It's kind of like asking again in 20 minutes, um, mm -hmm. but the, the social injustice stuff is definitely something I want to touch on a little bit later. Um, definitely a reason why I brought you on. Um, my first question is going to be about the video that we just saw about you and, and, uh, and Eric making all those point blank saves. We saw Rambo mm -hmm. retweeted, you know, complaining you guys weren't <laughs> catching it. So you can't see where the shot taker is in the video. It looks like he's just out of the picture. How, how close are those shots coming from? Um, either I would say there was never a shot taken more than six, seven yards away. Uh, that drill was specifically like breakaways, um, one-time shots, you know, just really not so much reacting to the ball and trying to make a save. It's just get as close as you can and, and block and take up as much space. So yeah, that, that's always a, that's always a day that gets us going and something you got to be prepared for because you know, the, in that drill, these balls are coming off your chest, your face, uh, you're growing. It's a, uh, it's, it's not a shot blocking day unless you're get, take one off the chest or face. So no, those are very close. They're not, you're not, you're not catching any of those. No. Yeah. It, it, it looks like a purely reactionary <laughs> drill. And, and yeah, like I said, when, Seeing what you guys have done in training when we were allowed to be in training, it's, it's ridiculous the amount of, uh, of core strength that you guys have to have to be able to get up and down that quickly like that. Um, so I looked at the standings today. I looked at the scoreboard today and realized Phoenix Rising is the only Group B team today not playing. Do you guys feel a little left out? Uh, you know, after a long – we had, you know, three – we're four away games in a row, you know, three the other week kind of nice to to sit step back and get a little break and watch these guys and uh you know great opportunity to scout and watch them play especially you know Vegas playing tonight um against San Diego and those are our two upcoming games so great opportunity for us to sit back and watch 
So it's going to be interesting, that, as you say that, because it's the games that you're going to be playing against your opponents are in one game, but then the two teams that are right behind you in the standings are playing each other in another game. So is there going to be any part of you kind of scoreboard watching at the same time? Uh, that's where you got the that's where you got the multi screens out. Got got one going on the laptop, one going on the TV. Take them all in. So that being said, uh, let's say there's a draw between OC uh, and uh, San Diego, or excuse me, in La, uh, Los Dos tonight. So that means they're going to be four points back with a game in hand. If there's a win, they'll be two points back with a game in hand. Um, going into this weekend, I mean being that they're constantly, you know, on your back, on your neck, and the game in hands are slowly but surely starting to become even, you know, what part of it is pressure on you to keep them, you know, behind you? And also what part of it's the motivation of just like, okay, like they're here to play, let's go. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of both. And for us, you know, we want to win. We want to win every game, like flat out, and we believe we can win um, every game. And so it's not so much what the other teams are doing that puts pressure on us to win and get results. We put that pressure on ourselves to win. And we know it's a short season and every game counts. And we've made it a point in the last couple of weeks to not look at this, the, the standings because, you know, there was such a disparity in games played and you didn't really know where we we're all going to be sitting. And it's really just going to come down to those final couple weeks you know two or three weeks that's when we'll really probably take a look um and and see where we are but uh you know for us regardless of the results it's you know and I know we've struggled a bit on the road but you know when we're going on the road we're we're expecting to come out with with points so I, I was going to bring up the home versus way disparity and um I know a lot of argument people say as well look at the teams that they've played on the road versus at home and I do want to give you guys credit in that you've played two teams outside of your group in El Paso and New Mexico, who, if you look at their group, they're both going to make the playoffs. So you've managed to beat two playoff teams at home. So I, I, I'm not in that thought that your home wins aren't warranted as much as you're away dropping points. But in terms of goals, like you're outscoring 20 to four at home, but at, at, on the road, it's only, um, you know, a plus one differential of nine uh, to eight. I mean, is there anything that you can really think of other than just, I mean, you got, you got unlucky in my opinion against Las Vegas, but do you think like maybe it's the heat? I mean, obviously the first game you had a crowd, that makes a big difference. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, is there anything you can put your finger on specifically for why it's such a disparity? Um, you know, we do, it's, we've always loved playing at home. We always have a, such a good home record. Uh, I think the heat has something to do with it. Um, on top of, you know, we've, we've made uh, Casino Arizona field a, a fortress. And I think teams come in with a mentality like, you know, are they really coming to chase three points or is it, okay, let's see if we can keep a zero zero as long as we can and see what happens. Um, but uh, yeah, we, you know, we've been struggling on the road. We've been traveling well, um, you know, in terms of how the club's taking care of us and traveling and, doing all the right things to put us in positions to win. And, you know, I think we've just been un unlucky a little bit. You know, you look at Reno, like we created so many chances and uh, we just couldn't quite get the ball to follow back in the net. And then, you know, in the second goal, the ball takes a deflection off Corey's chest and goes in the top corner. Otherwise that's going wide. So, you know, just little, a lot of 
unlucky bounces I think have gone our way and um you know and then it's tough to you're against some good teams you know Reno probably going to win their group they'll definitely be in the playoffs at least um and so it has been a tough tough road schedule but you know who knows what the playoff format's going to be like and we need to sort that out because you know there's no guarantees that we are playing in Casino Arizona field regardless of where we finish Oh, yeah, and, and talking about the bounces and all that, it I was going to say, like, you guys had 25 shots in the last match, and it's kind of like if against Vegas, you know, Junior makes a guy fall on the ground, and if that goes in the back of the net, we might not be talking about you guys dropping any points. It's a completely different conversation. And mm-hmm. I, I personally, from what I've seen, I, I, I don't want to say panic because you guys are still in first place, but, like, as a player, when you see all of this, oh, you guys, think about it, you, you guys didn't, you guys dropped uh, a f- – I can't even do math. You guys dropped five points in the last two matches on the road. Mm-hmm. Is it fair to say that maybe three years ago that wouldn't have been as big of a deal and, as it is now? And to see how much people care about you guys winning every single game. As a player, what does that feel like in terms of the pressure that that is but also kind of tells you where you are as a player and where you are as a club? No, I, I was going to – you know, I was going to bring that up too, um, because that is, you know, you look at it, we're, we're on the road, you know, and, and like, look at Vegas that week, we still end up with seven points, mm-hmm. but it's just, and which is an incredible week, especially, or, you know, playing on the road and, um, and everything that, and we, we've talked about that, you know, everyone's getting, was really hard. We were really, really hard on ourselves after Vegas, after Reno. And we, we also had to take a step back and be like, you know, we never want to lose, but like our results aren't that bad, you know, for considering it's just, we have not been through this in the three years that I've really been here. Um, you know, we a choppy start to the beginning of the year last year, but you know, to turn around and then win 20 games straight, uh, it, it does say a lot about the club and where we are as a team and that that's the standard you know, we've, we've set, you know, and we, we set the bar there and I love, you know, as frustrating as it is, and it makes it a little bit harder on ourselves. I would love, I love to have that, that standard because then it's every day, you know, we talk about coming into training, competing every single day. And those are the reasons why that bar is here. And that just means if we're not meeting it, then we can, we have a little bit more to, uh, to do and figure out. Um, so it does put pressure on us, but you know, that's why we're here. That's why we're here in Phoenix because guys want to win and guys want to win championships and compete. And, you know, so we signing with Phoenix comes with that pressure. No, yeah, definitely. Uh, Rick's definitely talked about that. Um, and then in talking about the two guys who play in front of you all the time, it looks like it's pretty cemented in AJ and Corey. Um, if you want to go one line farther, uh, Kevin, obviously he starts every match as well. But your fullbacks, now it's been due to cards and injury, but we've seen uh, going back and forth on Darnell's on the right, he's on the left, we've seen Joey on the right. Not going to ask you to talk about individual players, but in terms of the continuity that you have seen on the defensive side, has that been, you know, kind of a flux, having to change, you know, which which right back is with uh, who on a certain day and which left back is with AJ on a certain day? Um, not a ton. And that kind of goes back to, you know, being here and the players we have, you know, whether it's the guys in the starting 11, the guys on the bench, and then the guys who aren't even making the 18s, 
are incredible players who could probably start on the majority of teams. And so every week in training, you know, guys are kind of coming in and out and, you know, we want to see everybody. And even like for me, you know, Eric is in taking reps with, you know, AJ and Corey and kind of the, the back line, but guys are also rotating in and out of that because everyone on this, in this team can play. And so guys coming in and out, it doesn't seem to matter a ton. It feels like just because everyone gets reps in that position and you can bring guys in and out and you, we don't drop the standard at all. So looking at the, I know you guys don't like to do this, but us in the media, we love to do this. We love to look ahead um, and we love to see how uh, the last five matches, basically after Saturday at Las Vegas, four of your last five are going to be here all against your same group. And two of those games are going to be against LA and OC, which means, you know, the group could really be decided in those matches. And especially like you said earlier is the home field advantage. Have you guys talked about it at all about how, you know, if, if you finish this season strong and win, you know, all these matches, you could potentially never have to leave Phoenix again, other than going to San Diego for one match. Um, a little, we definitely talked about, we knew how hard the stretch of games was going to be. And, and then we are going to be home. Um, and we're very confident at home. Um, and really, you know, I don't know the playoff format, I guess. I don't know if it's coming out, if it's going to be like a hub model, if it's going to – how it's going to work exactly. I think that comes out tomorrow. Um, so we haven't really talked about it except for, okay, we know we just have one away game after this weekend in Vegas, um, and then we're home and we're getting points. But we try not to look forward like that and try not to think about, oh, we're going to be home like this game in away to Vegas – doesn't mean as much because we're going to have games in hand at home uh, in hand, but games at home where we are very comfortable. Uh, don't want to, don't have that mentality. And, you know, we're going to Vegas for three points and we're going to go to San Diego for three points um, regardless of our road record and, and what it's shown, you know, we're, we're, we're going to win. But, but then, yeah, I mean, once the playoffs start, you know, who knows how it's going to go. And we had home field advantage last year and uh, you know, didn't exactly capitalize on it. Yeah, it, it like you said, it, and especially when uh, when you get into a playoff where it's you know it's just a one-off match, and you know theoretically you don't you don't even have to uh, score a goal. You could go nil-nil the whole way if you really wanted. Being now that we're talking about that a little bit, last year you know the big debate kind of was whether how much emphasis you put into the four-game playoff versus the thirty-four-game season. With this season being just you know as crazy as it is. I mean, how much emphasis is putting on getting into that tournament in comparison to like this season to where it, it, it obviously some teams played in the beginning, some teams didn't, and it's kind of like a it's kind of patched together. I guess my question is for this regular season, which was 16 games, which is all about finishing in that top two group, does this season have a different feel in terms of what each regular season game means? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And even more so when we look at the games that have been like postponed or, you know, pushed, um, we know how much more important each point is each game. Um, and then, you know, kind of to touch back on the last question, we have to take every single game seriously because 
it sounds like, I don't know, that, you know, for example, Vegas is playing every Saturday, Wednesday for the rest of the season. And if teams don't hit their, you know, say they get games postponed or whatever, teams don't hit their 16 games, well, now we those last game or two might not matter because it might just be like points per game or whatever the situation is. So we, we really do know how important um, each game is and just put as much emphasis as we can on the, the one coming up. Yeah. Uh, for any game that doesn't end up being played, it's going to be that average uh, points per match for a tiebreaker should it need to come to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to shift now to the uh, racial and social justice stuff. Um, obviously, you have been one of the more outspoken players on the team. Um, we saw your tweet when the Bucks uh, boycotted in the NBA. We've seen you walk with Los Bandidos during the protests here in Phoenix. Um, so we'll, I'll have a few questions on it. But the first one I want to ask is, is back when you were protesting with Los Bandidos, can you just kind of talk to me what that was like? Um, it was, it was emotional. Um, I grew up in a very sheltered, uh, place in Montana. Um, and I didn't understand everything going on in the world. Um, and then to have soccer take me as many places as it has through college in Seattle to, you know, around the world and to Sweden, which is a very inclusive, um, society and I learned a ton there um and then you know to play in different places across the U.S. and interacting with so many different people um to now you know to have a broader worldview and understanding of the issues to then you know to see what happened to George Floyd um and just wanting to finally speak out and make a difference where before it was kind of scared to you know, don't want to offend anybody, don't want to ruffle any feathers regardless, you know, right, left, anything. Um, and to, to go to the protests and, and be with our supporters who show up every weekend and support us, no matter what the situation is, um, I, I wanted to show them. And, you know, just like our team is very diverse, same, same with our supporters. Um, and I just really wanted to also show them that, like, hey, you support us. And I support you guys um, just as much because it doesn't matter, athlete, fan, front office, anything, you know, we are all going through this together as a society um, and, and everyone's affected. And so, and then to just, to go to the marches and, and it's tough to, to listen to the news and see the way some of these protests have been portrayed of just violence and riots and looting. And I know there's been violence and stuff that's gone on, but for the majority across the country and the ones I was a part of here in in Phoenix, um, nothing but like love and uh, unity and support for each other. And to hear some people speak who have been through the absolute worst, but still maintain such a positive outlook and a message of love was incredibly inspiring and moving. Yeah, and I definitely can attest to, I actually think the day you went down was the day after I had gone down. Uh, but as you said, because it went on for a couple weeks, the I think it was the second weekend, and I was down there. It, it was hot, but it, it, was, mm-hmm. it was like you said, it was, it was, it was chanting and, and there was a lot of singing. Um, it was 
like you said, it was very peaceful. I didn't witness any violence. Um, so um, another thing I wanted to ask you about was for what we saw with the boycotts in, in MLS and MLB, the NBA, with obviously you guys, you guys uh, from the seven minute mark to the 846 mark uh, for Jacob Blake, the amount of times he was shot. And then for mm-hmm. George for the time that he had uh, the officer on his neck, that's what that represents. Um, what was that like for you guys in that moment? And also what was the conversation um, that got you guys to, you know, get to that point to make that, unified decision to do that together well you know it, it was incredible to see, I don't think there's ever been a move I would say like a movement like what happened uh what was it last Wednesday where NBA MLS some hockey MLB all you know postponed games um and it was really just you know and we played on Wednesday that that probably would have been an option we felt once Saturday rolled around, we knew everyone else was coming back and they were going to play, um, you know, but, and how do we still use our voice and show some solidarity? And that's what led to, um, you know, stopping the game in the seventh minute and just really to show that, like, that what's going on is more important than sports, you know, that we can't continue to lose sight of the issues just because a new news cycle, you know, comes around and that, and as sports or entertainment and a bit of a distraction. And a lot of times, you know, we need it and we love to play more than anything, but in this moment, we need less distraction because of what's going on off, off the field and in the streets and happening constantly. And, and it happens all the time. And I think we just, it just constantly gets, gets run out of the news cycle and and that's what you know we're trying to show and in sport and soccer especially because it's so diverse and you have so many different people from different countries and ethnicities and religions everything that I think every team in this in the country in the USL stopped the game in one form or another whether it was maybe the first seven minutes of the whole game or like us seven to eight forty six that we're unified in our response and that we support each other in our locker room. We support, you know, Reno, we're playing against them, but we support the guys in their locker room who some guys who have been through traumatic experiences or experienced police brutality that, you know, we support them just like we support the guys in the Pittsburgh locker room, Tampa Bay, whoever it is that, you know, we're, we're one, we're one group. And, uh, you know, we support each other on the field and off the field. So I've spoken to Junior and Kevon about this. I've also spoken to Darnell. When I asked Junior and Kevon the question of, of racism and their experiences, they both told me the same thing, that it wasn't until they came to the United States from Jamaica that they first started experiencing it. And being an American born here and raised here, like that absolutely broke my heart. And then obviously Darnell was born and raised in Florida, so he'll have a little different you know, upbringing. But he did mention that he had a conversation with you. And I'm not going to ask about the details of that conversation, unless you're willing to share. But um, anything that you got from that conversation that you would want to like tell the, tell the fans or anyone listening that something that you thought that you've learned that you know, opened your mind? Because for me personally, I can admit there has been a lot of learning I have done in the last, what is it, eight months of this year and probably mm-hmm. should have been longer. 
Um, yeah, I mean, we, me and Darnell, we talk, we talk a lot because, um, you know, I'm trying to learn, you know, my experience growing up in white suburbia, Montana is very different than, you know, his experience in Florida. And, um, that's the kind of stuff I'm trying to educate myself on. And you don't ever get anywhere by just talking to people who look like you, um, and understand their experiences. And, um, we talk a lot because we also have, uh, differing, try to say this, like a little different points of view on how we're trying to affect change. Um, you know, he's, he's going about it in a more personal way to, to surround himself and to educate his bubble and people he's around because we kind of talked on, I touched on this a little bit before, but you know, he's a guy who's been fighting this his entire life and have been and dealing with some of the stuff and it can be exhausting. And I think he's to that, you know, to that point where I'm maybe a little fresher and energized. And, you know, for me, I'm, I come from a place where I want to impact people like me who were scared to maybe speak up and learn and educate themselves. Um, and also, you know, came from a small division two school where I'm representing a lot of people who, who don't have a platform and aren't really able to, obviously they speak up, but you know, who they're affecting and how many people, you know, I'm, I'm trying to also do that for them. And I don't want to uh, talk a ton about Darnell's experience. Um, but uh, it's been, it's been enlightening. And it's, you know, cause like I'm at a point where I'm like, all right, like vocal, vocal, vocal and Darnell very well-spoken, a little bit more reserved and to learn what he's gone through and how he's trying to affect change has been very like eye-opening for me. Cause I'm just trying to shout, shout, shout. It's like, all right, like maybe that's not the best way to go about it. So it's just been really helpful to, to connect with people who don't look like me and have conversations that you know, even though me and Darnell completely agree on the issues and everything, but you know, how we go about impacting change is different. And so that's, you know, that's great to, to have those differing opinions. No, I, I completely agree. And I, uh, I, that's why, that's why I brought you on. I, I wanted to guys who have been outspoken about this and especially when, when Darnell brought you up, I was like, okay, I definitely, definitely need to get the Zach's intake on this. Cause you know, we, we saw the team's quote-unquote media silence, media, social media silence in the beginning. Um, and I, I don't want you to have, like, want to say bad things about your own team. If you do feel that way, I don't want to get you in trouble. But, you know, uh, I asked Bobby about it, and, um, you know, he said that, you know, it was a mistake. It, you should have, the teams, you know, uh, publicly should have been more outspoken about it, being a football club. Um, but it, it was just like the fu- – you know, the times of what was happening and the season, they were trying to get the season going and all everything that goes along with it. Um, from your vantage point, um, I mean, I, I don't want to ask basically, you know, what did you think of the team's response? But I mean, maybe, you know, what do you wish the team would have done or, you know, what are you helping the team or what have you helped the team realize in this time? Um, you know, I, that was an interesting thing for me too because i felt like at the very beginning and one of the i think we were one of the first teams to we came together in a circle and we 
we tried to walk and form a one. And to be honest, I think we were one of the first teams to do that. Uh, you know, and, and Phoenix Rising posted that and we did it together. And I think it maybe just kind of got pushed, you know, out like so quickly uh, that then, but what we didn't do was continue to follow through, you know, follow up on um, everything that's going, like continue to go on or maybe didn't, um, we made a statement, but maybe didn't do so much to implement some change, you know? Um, and I think that's where we maybe fell short a little bit. Um, and it's, and I'm not going to lie, like as a club, I'm sure, you know, how many people they reach out to and affects, um, you know, even for me, especially the beginning, like trying to learn the language, you know, how to speak and what to say in terminology and how powerful it is. It can be difficult to, to find the right words, um, to then, you know, not really offend uh people in any direction um where i you know i and i'm sure they ran into the same problem you know i've been on uh, instagram or twitter trying to taking a lot of time half hour hour to just formulate my thought and you know the language i want to use um and it's and it's difficult uh so you know, I think we did, we, we, we came out early and hot out of the gates, but I just don't think we followed through as much with uh, what we could have done and continue to do. And, and I think since then, the team's done a great job. Um, obviously, you, you didn't have any, any June games, so celebrating gay pride month of June wasn't mm -hmm. going to be something you guys could do on the pitch, but you, the team elected to still be able to, to show with the warm-up tops um, you know, when you guys did eventually start playing and you guys didn't start playing until July. So just to give a little time period there. Um, but Zach, I want to say thank you for your time. I appreciate you having, you know, not only a football conversation with me, but, you know, a racial and social justice conversation that isn't easy. Um, and again, just thank you for everything and uh, good luck in Vegas on Saturday. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me on. And, um, you know, in these moments, I'd love to have the, you know, the racial social justice issues uh, conversation more than anything. Cause uh, you know, that's, what's important. That's what's going to affect us and continue to affect us when the, when the season's over at the end of the year. So it's uh, not going away and change is coming and slow, but it's a, uh, it's a constant, it's gotta be constant and continue to be worked on. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. All right, Zach. Thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate you. Have a good one. You too. Thank you. Bye. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Uprising Podcast. Phoenix Rising's next match is Saturday away to Las Vegas Lights FC in what is the last of a four-game road trip and the last of a three-game Nevada road trip. Kickoff is set for 7.30 p.m. and you can catch all the action on the exclusive audio stream on ArizonaSports.com and the new Arizona Sports app, which is now available for both iOS and Android. And following Wednesday night's results, Phoenix's 20 points keep them atop Group B over Orange County by just two points, who are now at 18, and still have a game in hand. Los Dos remain at 15 points and in third place, while San Diego comes in fourth with 13, and Las Vegas rounds out the group with nine points. For all things Phoenix Rising, be sure to head over to ArizonaSports.com, download the new Arizona Sports app, 
And you can also follow me on Twitter at JWA1994. Until next time, ci vediamo, a dopo, ciao.